And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Wow, looking at uh, the latest from Beer Business Daily. Mm. I will be honest with you, I've not been a, I've not been a, uh, I guess a, uh, well, let me tell the absolute truth. Mm. Until this weekend, I never heard of Beer Business Daily. Yeah, But they are a trade publication found that the volume of Bud Light sales had dropped by 28.4% in the second week of May, up from 27.7% the week prior. That means they have Bud Light has fallen for the sixth consecutive week. And they're calling it uh, here, Bud Light faces a Hurricane Mulvaney moment. You say, Hurricane, where does that come in? They said, this could be a promotional summer, the likes we haven't seen since after Hurricane Katrina in 2005, where there was so much beer inventory backed up in the trade that it initiated the price war of all price wars, the industry outlet told Fox Business News. Large price wars are often sparked by external events, in that case, Hurricane Katrina. In this case, Hurricane Mulvaney. Hmm. The only difference this time is that the external event is only negatively affecting one brewer, but it's not an external event. No. Beer Business Daily added. I'd try to throw some propaganda That's, in there. I mean, was, if they're saying an, that the employee wasn't an employee of Anheuser-Busch that they worked for the ad agency, this, that's still internal. Yes. The consumer cutback on Bud Light has become so bad that one store is even reportedly offering cases of 24, uh, pa- uh, you know, packs of 24, cases of 24, which normally retail close to 
$20 for just $3.49 to offset some of the cost of inventory before the beverage expires. How long does beer last in a can? Well, back in my day, usually around eight minutes <laughs> per can. Because I've had Roughly. some, I have some cans of beer, I don't even know what they are, in my refrigerator that have been in there for a couple of years. I didn't Should know I until, out? it was several years ago, but it was most of my life I didn't even know that things like that, anything canned like that, had an expiration date. My mom told me, she said, when you're buying sodas, make sure you look for the expiration date. What? What expiration date? And then, of course, uh, was it Bud Light? What what brand had the Best Buy date or something or the brew date or whatever it was? They were focused on the date on the can. I don't remember that campaign, who it was, but Mm. yeah. Yeah, because when I see, all right, it's been six straight. Well, now it's. We're to eight, you know, because this was two weeks ago. Yeah. Is where they actually look at the, the price dropping again. Think, wow, that's been going on that long. You know, during COVID, <laughs> wow. uh, at the very beginning of COVID, that first summer, a lot of retailers, uh, the actually the, the restaurant and bar industry, they had a lot of backstock because the local rules had shut them down, uh, especially restaurants. So then it became, all right, what are we going to do with this backstock here? A lot of that was in bulk, though, I believe. I don't know if the majority was, but that was short-lived. I don't know how long this effect goes. Well, you saw Target, what, lost $10 billion in market value mm-hmm. over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, you've got Kohl's now that is facing a possible boycott. Uh, because of their marketing of children of clothing to children, mm-hmm. reading here, shoppers are criticizing Kohl's after the department store became the latest me uh, retailer to sell LGBTQ clothing for infants and young kids. You know the one thing, and I, you know, we had said this to a number of the the uh, you know sports teams out there that that had Pride Night that. And you've got Pride Month coming up here mm-hmm. where the problem is we basically live in a live and let live society. Yeah. Except yeah. when it comes to children. And for some reason, the left doesn't understand that you can do what you want as an adult. Don't bring in the children. It's right. that simple. Right. Uh, I don't know anybody who wants to teach any sexualized. I don't want to teach any sexualized content to a five-year-old. No. No, I don't. It's not even part of their, shouldn't even be part of their world. And if you do, as far as I'm concerned, you're a pervert. There's no other reason to be doing that. And then, you know, the other, I think the other problem too is that uh, so many problems in bringing in the, the parents to a, 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 what they consider to be a civil rights movement, what the left considers to be a civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. So now you have the shoppers who, 
if your parents and your kids are with you, now you've got to explain what's going on. And with with a child, it's always, well, why? Well, why? Well, why? Which forces you to walk through the entire equation. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? And why would you alienate, I don't know if it's half, or let's just say a significant portion of your customer base? And you know it's going to do that. And it's also splitting the gay community because there are plenty that don't want to be associated with the liberal, tra- the liberal radical transgender activist movement. No, it's a great point. They and they don't want to be drawn into the uh, the back and forth. I mean, it's it's almost like bringing uh, a really elevated social media back and forth to the floor of your retail establishment. Yeah. And then you're basically forcing your customers to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You're forcing them to then take a stand or move away from it. Why would you do that? Even before you get to talking about the what we believe is the most important part of it, marketing this to children... Why would you even well, want to force your customer to become engaged? You you don't. You don't. You know, I was ever. I was, I was reading a Fox News editorial. I think it was some guy. I don't know. He said he's part owner of a couple of teams. I didn't. I didn't get what teams they were. But he just said he said you every his suggestion to all teams drop Pride Week and you don't bring up any conservative movement things either. Right. For example, it probably wouldn't be smart for a business to say. We are completely and totally pro-gun and pro-Second Amendment, and we want AR-15s in the hands of all Americans. Right. They may think that way. Probably not a good thing for a sports team to do. Right. If the names Smith and Wesson appear anywhere in your company, then you can go that route. (laughs) But what you're doing is you're asking people to approve or disapprove on the spot. Right. It's like your sports. Right. You're a retail outlet. You're trying to bring in 100% of the you, – you want to maximize the number of people that will purchase your goods because that's why you're in existence. That is your number one goal. And the problem with the pride movement is the pride movement – and believe me, there are, there are uh, many in the gay community that understand that. That the problem is, because we heard from from them long time ago about the liberal, radical, transgender activist movement. They right. don't have anything to do with it. Right. Because now it includes whether you like it or not. You can't sit there and say, oh, you're just you're just uh, uh, homophobic. or t-. Well, you don't hear homophobic anymore. All you hear is transphobic, right. which yeah. means you're homophobic because the T is part of the, the rest. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, it's all inclusive. Right. But the fact is, what you're saying is that men should compete, biological men should compete with women. You're defying science at one point, and then you bring the children in to groom children on the other end. You can't win that. And that's the problem. That's why you have the NHL came out and said, well, we're going to reevaluate, you know, uh, the pride nights that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not about anymore. You know, gay marriage is done. Whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. it's it's that's done and over. Right. So what is there? 
Yep. The average gay couple makes more money. So you can't say, well, we need fair wages right. for people that are gay. They make more, mm-hmm. way more mm-hmm. than you you find out when you look at the statistics. So you don't have that. So what do you do? You got to add something new. It's a transgender uh, activist movement. What do you get there? You get the marginalization of the biological female and the grooming of children. Well, well, and if you're marginalizing women, you're marginalizing two feminists, which yeah, we've exactly, seen that. Right, right. And that's, that's the problem that they have. Which has been a huge part of their movement up until now. And they, and they try to ignore that by just saying, you're something phobic, something phobic. Right. Which is, we said, yeah. fine, your response would be, and I'm happy. That it's like okay, you know, you you know, uh, you've seen. Um, oh, I can't think of her uh, her name now. The uh, the swimmer, Gaines. Yeah, Riley Gaines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riley Gaines coming out and and just you know and using the word. Well, you're misogynist. Mm-hmm. You're sexist. Mm-hmm. As we've said, that's what you should. Yeah. That should be the response. Right. Right. You're you're a transphobe. Fine. You, you practice misogyny and you're a sexist. Mm-hmm. And you're a groomer of young children. You yep. know, you're, what type of perverted life do you live? Because that's what it's become now. And whether they like it or not, the pride movement that never saw this coming, we told you it was coming. No, it's and it's here to stay. Yep. You're not about to turn the volume on this down. How dare you? No. So... Coles just jumps in. It's just yeah, there has to be panic and well, there's by the way, there's panic in a lot of boardrooms over an, the last few weeks. In an era where department stores, brick and mortar, are having such a hard time mm-hmm. financially, why would you? Why in the world would you want to go out and alienate a huge chunk of your customer base? You should be looking to attract more people in to your stores and to your brand. Amazon and Walmart are killing it. Now, on clothing, I can't tell you who the leader is right now. But on e-commerce and on the other department, you know, the the homewares uh, that that Kohl's outside of clothing, uh, clothing offers. Walmart. Discount retailers have it completely, completely rounded up and cinched. And you're having to compete. And this is what you do? And then the other thing about, you know, when you look at Mulvaney, when you look at the drag shows, everything else, and now the, you know, even the left is starting Mm -hmm. to pick up on, oh, gender appropriation. Yeah. Sexual appropriation. You're making fun of women. You're not even a woman, and you're trying in a parody way. Sorry, you can't do that. There's cultural appropriation. There's race appropriation. Now there's sexual appropriation. Here comes the liberal circular firing squad. Yeah. But it's just uh, – and and the the left is furious at the backlash to all of this. Uh, I've been amazed of how long it took to get here – and was amazed that the Dylan Mulvaney thing was the thing that really sparked, finally, the backlash against the insanity 
of the liberal, radical, transgender activist movement. Yeah, it's uh, it, they think they're winning and they think clearly that they haven't gone far enough, that the problem is they're not doing this more and they should turn it up. Good luck. 86690 Red Eye. This year's Atlantic hurricane season outlook is believed to be a near-normal one, according to government forecasters. But USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey, will that forecast include a rare January Atlantic tropical system? Some folks don't know this, but we actually had one tropical cyclone already in 2023. It did not receive a name, and that was because the storm was not cataloged in real time as a named system. But after a post-analysis just a few weeks ago, the National Hurricane Center announced that there was a tropical cyclone that was in the Atlantic Basin, not too far from the U.S. coast. It was actually just over the Gulf Stream off the U.S. East Coast back in mid-January. He says the storm was short-lived before dissipating. But we are already at one storm that will officially count as a tropical cyclone for 2023, even though it did not receive a name. Meaning the next Atlantic named storm will start with an A, Arlene. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Friday Radio. He's Eric. I'm Gary. Comedian legend John Cleese says he refuses to remove the famous Loretta transgender scene from Monty Python's Life of Brian for the stage adaptation of the classic film. On social media last Thursday, Cleese said that a journalist recently spread rumors that he would be removing the famous scene from all future adaptations 
of the film. Quote, a few days ago, I spoke to an audience outside London. I told them uh, I was adapting the life of Brian so we could do it as a stage show, not a musical. I said that we'd had a table reading of the latest draft in New York City a year ago and that all the actors, several of them Tony winners, had advised me strongly to cut the Loretta scene. I have, a, I have, of course, no intention of doing so. That's a quote. Another quote here. So someone in the audience had called a journalist and misreported me. Amazingly, none of the British media called to check. They just wrote the story. Cleese also clarified that he would not be cutting the song, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, Yeah, from the stage adaptation. The British comedian had been referring to a recent article in the Daily Mail that quoted him being somewhat aghast at the fact that American actors wanted him to censor the Loretta scene in The Life of Brian. At the end, I said to the American actors, what do you think? And they said, we love the script, but you can't do that stuff about Loretta nowadays, he reportedly said. He added, so here you have something that's never been a complaint. There's never been a complaint about it in 40 years that I've heard of, and all of a sudden we can't do it because it'll offend people. What is one supposed to make of that? Hmm. So uh, Life of Brian took a whole new meaning to a new generation in recent years when the famous Loretta scene went viral uh, due to the to how well it portrayed the irrationality of the political transgenderism, a joke that would definitely not be allowed in any mainstream Hollywood film in 2023. Yeah, right. Well, you know, what would have Monty Python? Right. <laughs> well, uh, Steven Spielberg went back with E.T. and took the guns out of the movie. Remember that? Yes. yes. He said recently yep. he wishes he wouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have done that. He said, that's where we were as a nation at that time. I shouldn't be changing my art right. because we're changed as a nation or because I've changed. Call in and get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome. Good morning. I just uh, hope I've got some audio I want to play here. This is uh, Representative uh, Wesley Hunt of uh, Texas. We've talked about him uh, before. Uh, Freshman uh, congressperson and uh, very impressive. Yeah. Very impressed by yeah. uh, by him. Mm-hmm. One of the things we've said about the Republican Party is they need to stop defending themselves against racism charges from the Democrats that the Democrats always throw out. You know, yeah. you guys are racist. You guys are racist. You guys are racist. You guys are racist. If you're new, if you're a first time listener to the show or new to the show, Eric and I, this hit us a long time ago. We said, well, why is the first thing that comes out of Democrats mouths, no matter what it is, that you're racist? I know that I'm not a racist. I know that obviously that anyone who is viewing any of my opinions based on the substance of it, based on based on my history, <laughs> that there's no way that 
I'm a racist. And so why is that the first thing out of their mouths? Now, why is that? That's the one thing that we could understand until one day, finally it hit us and we went, oh, because we all wonder, you know, we question, well, why would they think that? Because we're not that way. And what we came to realize is they say that about us because that's how they think. Mm -hmm. They practice identity politics 24-7. They judge people by groups and they admit it and not individuals. And so in their behavior, it's very easy to see the stereotyping that leads to the intolerance and bigotry of racism. Yep. Because you're stereotyping. You're saying, no, sorry, you're conservative black. You're not genuine. What kind of a racist statement is that? Yep. And it's been going on for the longest time. And they know they practice identity politics. It's not like this is hidden. At times in the past, they have actually said, we've got to stop it. Tim Ryan, who ran against Nancy Pelosi a few years back for Speaker of the House, he said it. He knows what a cancer it is on the party. We've got to stop judging people by groups and and, and as individuals. Well, this is uh, partly what uh, Representative Wesley Hunt said. He was on a uh, podcast called Tim Cast the other day. And here's what he had to say about himself. He's black if people don't know it. And his district uh, outside of Houston. So they've also gotten away with painting the Republican Party as being racist. Yeah. And then someone like me comes around, decides to run for Congress. So let's talk about my district back in Houston, Texas. I live in a district that President Trump would have won by 23 points. I ended up winning by 30 points. In the Republican primary, I beat out nine white guys. In the general election, I beat out a white guy by 30 points. Trump plus 20 district, I outperformed the president. I like to say that every now and again <laughs> by a little vet. Uh, and it's a white majority district. Mm-hmm. In a Republican primary, 75% of the voters were white. And they voted for me overwhelmingly. And why? Because I was the best candidate. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's literally what our party is. I get to wake up every day and live Martin Luther King's dream. I'm literally being judged by the content of my character, not by the color of my skin. So people like me come around and we look around. I'm just like, actually, I'm just here because I just want a better America. I don't even view myself as black or African-American. First first of all, I'm an American. I'm a combat veteran. I am a father. I am a West Point graduate. I'm an Ivy League graduate. And we can go all the way down the line before I get the black guy. I'm a cool guy. I I try try to be, right? I try to be. I'm a father. I'm all these things. And I like the idea of our party not playing identity politics anymore. And then realizing that you see people like me, you see people like Byron Donalds, you see people like Senator Scott. We are all winning in white majority areas, by the Mm -hmm. way, people. So you can't call us racist anymore. There you go. And then he later in the conversation brings up the identity politics of the of of the Democrats, which is where it exists today. And that's the thing that we've talked about for such a long time. The racism of the Democratic Party is right out front. It's blunt. And it's almost, you know, really when you think about it, it's almost it's almost the same type of, of uh, blue wave of intimidation. Everybody knows it, but you don't say it. It's obvious to everybody, but you don't say it. Yep. It's like biological males can be biological females if they if you say so. For a long time, everybody knew that's a load of uh, horse poop, but uh, you were afraid to go against it. Why? The liberal blue wave tsunami of intimidation would come your way. Black yep. Lives Matter. Anybody could sit there and say, well, wait a minute, you're calling all police departments 
systemically racist, and that's what's causing uh, these very, very rare incidents of blacks being killed by police officers. Well, that's a jump. Where's your evidence for that? Don't need evidence. Emotion is our evidence. You know, Black Lives Matter came out, supported it. Black Lives Matter, a group you got to support. What do we know now? It was all bogus. Yep. All yeah. was bogus. Yeah. But same thing here. But this has stuck around longer than ever that the Democrats still claim the other side that says we are going to treat people as individuals. They don't care what you're and now and that's to the point where you've got now from the left that if you say I don't see color, well, that in itself is racist. Right. I judge people as an autonomous individual. What do you mean you don't see color? You obviously see the color. Well, yeah. It's like I see blue eyes. Mm-hmm. I see bald people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I look at, I'm looking at Wesley Hunt right now. He's got the headphones on. He's bald. Mm-hmm. I'm going to judge him by his baldness. Mm-hmm. Let's judge all bald people the same way. Well, if we're judging by haircuts, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, it's just I mean, we you, we see what you're saying is. It doesn't mean anything to me. And if you say that, mm-hmm. that's also racism. How could it not mean anything? Right. You're saying it means nothing? Yeah. <laughs> and and so what's happened is it's become completely posterior backwards in this country. Yeah. Where if you're actually truly anti-racist, you're a racist. And if you're a racist, you're anti-racist. That's right. The whole anti-racist uh, promotion is on CRT where they're judging all white people are culturally racist to the point where it's almost in their DNA and they can never get rid of it. Therefore, society must be structured Uh understanding that all whites are racist. Right. And then as we know, all blacks must think alike. And if you don't, conservative blacks, then you've been demonized for over... I'm trying to think because it really started with Clarence Thomas. So we're going on 35 years. Yeah. 30 to 35 years it's gone on there. Because then it was the initial uh, conservative black talk show host back in the early 90s that got hit big time. And if you don't think like everybody else, then something is wrong with you. If you are black and you happen to be a conservative, someone else is thinking for you. Somebody else is telling you what to say and think. Right. You couldn't possibly believe those things if you're a person of color. And that would be the thing that that they would uh, attack Representative Hunt with is, oh, you're just saying that to get elected. You're just agreeing yeah. with the white right. man in order to get elected. Mm-hmm. As if all white people think the same, too. I mean, that's, yeah, it's just. <laughs> right. Ah. It, it's, it, but they don't have anything if you stop and take identity out of it if you took identity away from the left today tell me what they would have nothing zero well climate change but then climate change is racist it's racist we just heard it <laughs> from, from jane fonda from jane fonda who who knows more about climate change than jane fonda <laughs> the, the patriarchy racism and climate change are the deadly triangle. That's I right. Mean, they're, they're all they're all melded it's together. All one. It's like let's combine them all together now. Yeah. Well and but it all started like I said when we were wondering why is the first thing they throw at us on any topic? You know, 
why is it racist? We go, you know, we don't think right. that way. Right. Why do they think we think that way? And go, oh, because that's how they think. And by the and way, that's why we're that's why we're confused mm-hmm. because we're like and we're like and I think a lot of I think we all tend to think that because we think a certain way that obviously the same thought pattern must be going through other people. You find out that is not true. You cannot you cannot judge people by your particular organization of your thoughts. Right. Or if you have critical thinking, assume that somebody else thinks the same way that you do. Mm-hmm. Well, as we have found out, human brains are different. And that's, but that's, we've, that was the one day we went, wow, that's it. They've been practicing identity politics for so long, or it's just a normal part of them. And so they assume you must think the exact same thing, but you're worse because you, you differ on the issues from them. So everything that you think is based on racism. As yep. they practice identity politics, which is judging people by groups and not as individuals. Yep. Pretty amazing. By the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Jane Fonda suggesting that the president should be in jail. I'm not totally against that. Now, I think you have to prove there's a crime. I know. Now what? For what? Because he's part of the patriarchy? She is it- says... That white men have to be in jail because of climate change. Oh, they made okay, that's true. Happen. Oh, okay, that's true. And the same would be, uh, the same case would be for uh, Gavin Newsom, governor of California. Because she didn't say Republican white men, did she? She did not. No, she didn't specify she said white, white men. men. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. Sorry, Gavin. <laughs> Just the way it goes. <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> the only Democrat man that doesn't belong in jail would be Hunter Biden. <laughs> right. He didn't have anything to do with climate change. Are you kidding me? The entire coal industry didn't put out as much smoke in the atmosphere as he did. Oh, did you see that uh, Ray said he's going to call Comer this week? Because it's mm. like tomorrow's a deadline and. Homer's like we're gonna, you know, we're going to put, uh, um, you know, charges against you, obstruction of Congress, right? If you don't uh, give us that document, right? That shows that you know that uh, shows from what we know from our informants that Joe Biden took a bride, bribe. Mm-hmm. He's calling him tomorrow. They're going to have a phone call. Yeah. Now here's the thing: none of it apparently. From what we know, and the FBI did not say it was classified. None of this is classified. No. Nope. Will Comer go public? What do the Republicans know that they haven't been willing to tell us yet? That's what I want. Well, there seems to be a lot because we're not hearing enough talk from them on this. That tells me they've been told not to talk about certain things. By whom? Has to be Merrick Garland. Has to be Director Ray. Well, I mean, the Republicans aren't going to follow what they say. Well, my question is, then why would they follow anything? I mean, what what directive are they given? What rule would they be breaking, breaking if they talked about something? It's not classified, except for the fact that the whistleblower's status has to be protected. Right. Right. And if that's the case, uh, they actually, Comer may have mentioned something about that briefly. 
But I guess we'll see when the deadline hits. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I just want to play this uh, audio from Fox News uh, late last week where Tulsi Gabbard, who, uh, you know, was a Democratic representative, loyal Democrat, mm-hmm. the old Democrat for uh, years, speaking about people leaving the Democratic Party, not just for one reason, but multiple reasons. Yeah, Laura, they're they're lurching farther and farther towards insanity. Really, I, there, there's no other word that I can find to describe it. You know, the 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 list of reasons, unfortunately, is long, and I think we will continue to see more and more Americans who maybe call themselves Democrats and or, or, or used to. But but leaving the Democratic Party because of a whole host of reasons. It's it's you know an elitist cabal of warmongers. It's made of corrupt politicians, the propaganda media, big tech, and the national security state. They are weaponizing the security state to go after political opponents. They're undermining our God-given rights and freedoms enshrined in the Constitution. Uh, you know they they are seeking to censor and silence anyone who does not agree with them. They're and she went on and on and on. The reason I bring it, we're just short on time, but I wanted to play that portion of it. And you think about it, you know, we talk about the Jonathan Turleys, the Dershowitz, mm-hmm. the Bill Mars, you know, yeah. that, that are, you can see they're looking and going, this is just not right. You see Tulsi Gabbard saying, insanity. You know, Michael Schellenberger. Ma- Michael Schellenberger, Matt Taibbi. Yeah. Uh, Barry, you know, uh, uh, you know, Barry, Barry Weiss. Barry Weiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elon Musk the other day uh, was at the Spotify CEO on Twitter. Uh, I guess uh, prompted a, a question. Said uh, basically, if aliens uh, came, you know, what would the one thing that be that might you know confuse them? And he goes, "Well, that we can't define what a woman is." <laughs> yeah, and Musk right. put that on there. Musk, yeah, right, put that yeah. on there. So you you even see you know where it comes from him, which nobody ever talks about the fact that they have that group of people have to represent a significant portion of Democrats who are thinking the same thing. Yep. How large is that portion, and when will they finally say, we've had enough? Because there aren't, this isn't small differences with the Republican Party. These people are nuts. Mm-hmm. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search BLEAV on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot, but Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah, can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good lord, we get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.